Welcome to New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening we're focusing on the healthcare industry. There's hardly a week that goes by when there isn't not a discussion or article which talks about what is happening in the healthcare industry and the high cost levies by practitioners and medical aids. We all know that consumers are struggling to make ends meet. At this time of the year, members need to take responsibility for understanding the scheme plan that they're on and to decide what's the right plan for them in the coming year. And joining this evening is Ryan Noach, Deputy CEO of Discovery Health. Ryan, lovely to have you on the program. My first question to you, Ryan, is that in 2017, the Customer Satisfaction Index reflects that member satisfaction with medical aids continues to decline with the exceptions of Discovery and MediHelp. And the question really is why? What are you guys doing to give customer satisfaction versus other medical aids? Because understand, there are those that never use the medical aid. If, you, if, you, if you're actually asking them, they're happy. Those that have minor use, and then those that have major use. Yeah, I think it's on multiple levels, Brian. Uh, we're very flattered by that survey and delighted with the results. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it does represent a huge amount of hard work in the system. On a product level, we believe we're delivering outstanding value for money. And uh, it's very unusual where you get a premium product that's cheaper than its competitors. In the case of Discovery Health Medical Scheme, in 2017 terms, it's about 16% cheaper uh, per average benefit unit than its competitors. Uh, so delivering great value for money. At the next level, the service, the service that's provided is really outstanding. We're a highly transactional business. We're dealing with about 300,000 claims per day, every day, 300,000 claims. So there are going to be errors, and there are going to be times where we slip up, but our service standards are extremely high, and our members are satisfied with the service, as that survey depicts. Uh, So value for money and service are critical. And the third part is that we do, at Discovery, provide peace of mind to our customers. We try and partner our members in the healthcare system to ensure that not only do they have great financial indemnity, but they also have a partner in the healthcare system that can guide them, that can ensure they're receiving the appropriate quality and the appropriate care. Ryan, what percentage of your members would you say, I don't know if you've got that at your fingertips, but what percentage of members would you say hardly use the the medical aid? When you talk about people getting value for money, what is the percentage? That's, is there a high percentage of people that really make no use of the medical aid? Oh, there's a rule of thumb in medical insurance globally, and this is not specific to discovery, that roughly 80% of the members will claim less than they pay, but 20% will claim much more than they pay. And so you have the 80% funding the 20%. In the absence of the 80%, it would be impossible to raise funds to cover the claims of the 20%. So you have this heavily geared claims environment. I can tell you in Discovery Health Medical Scheme, about 10% of the members are responsible for about 30% of the claims. Um, And so it is very, very heavily geared. Everybody claims a little bit because Discovery Health Medical Scheme has comprehensive out-of-hospital and in-hospital products. So everybody's getting some level of benefit. But the benefit is geared to those people with chronic disease, uh, with a severe diagnosis, like a cancer diagnosis, or who are involved in a trauma or an accident, some unforeseen major event. You know that that concept started in 1686 in the Lloyd's Coffee House, where they were the sailors where a few were looking after, the, or the many were looking after the few. It's the same concept. So Ryan, the, the big problem is escalating costs. I'm sure they weren't drinking coffee. I don't know coffee what they house. were drinking, but when they went off, as you know, ho, 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 and a bottle of rum, exactly. but that type of thing. But it was that concept that where Lloyds of London were actually developed from that, that coffee house. But talking about 
medical costs rising. What are you doing in the industry to, to try and contain those costs? Well, we're doing an absolute fortune, Brian. We consider it our social mandate to try and keep health care costs down and to try and deliver the, the lowest possible premium for the maximum benefits that we can offer. Over a nine-year period of 2008 to 2017, medical inflation is tracking at about 11.3%. Over the same period, consumer price inflation tracks at about 6.1%. So there's this huge gap, 5% plus, between consumer price inflation and medical inflation. And this confounds people. They just can't understand how their healthcare insurance premium can go up by so much more than their wages or their consumer inflation. The strange thing about it, and the part that's so poorly understood, is that it's not a price phenomenon. Prices in the discovery context are quite well controlled. Prices over that period went up at roughly the inflation levels. Prices, the amount we pay to hospitals, pathologists, doctors, physios, and the like. They were well contained during that period. So what then is that driving that 5% gap? The answer is consumption of healthcare services. There's much more utilization in the system. And this is not a South African phenomenon. This is a global healthcare phenomenon causing very high medical inflation levels right across the globe. When you think of this consumption, you need to think of it in two big parts. On the one hand is this demand side utilization. People are sicker. Uh, they tend to be diagnosed with serious disease earlier. Uh, there, are, there is the scourge of non-communicable disease linked to obesity, diabetes, hypertension, all these lifestyle diseases. So on the one hand, there's much more demand. And that contributes about 3% of that 5% premium. On the supply side, there's also increased utilization. And that's represented primarily by new technology. If you think about cancer, there are all these very fancy new cancer drugs which, thank goodness, allow us to treat cancer much better than before, but they come at a hell of a price. And so those new technologies inter alia drive some of that supply-side utilization. And just before we take our break, and obviously the RAND, the weakness of the RAND doesn't help the situation at all, does it? You know, where, where we're linked to foreign exchanges on surgical consumables and to an extent also on the ethical consumables. Um, and that's really where the, RAND, uh, the RAND's weakness, if one may call it that, impacts uh, healthcare pricing. Well, we're going to take a short break this evening. You're watching New Your Money. We're talking healthcare. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money. This evening we're discussing healthcare. My guest is Ryan Noach. We're not taking calls this evening, but you can still email me on brianh at bhco.za. So having said that, I mean, we, we, people are nervous now. They're getting their increases. What sort of increases are Discovery uh, going to apply this year? Well, we're delighted to have announced uh, an average increase of 7.9%. And for some of the plans, even lower than that, 7.3% in some cases. So the vast majority of Discovery members this year have an increase under 8%, which uh, relative to inflation and relative to uh, that corridor of about 3% above inflation, which is the guideline we're given by a regulator, is a very, very good number. 
Ryan, I've got a lot of emails. This email, my first email is from Ronnie in Santon. He says, "I understanding upgrading, downgrading. I'm concerned about major illnesses. Please, could you explain what I gain or lose regarding the major issues as well as chronic? If firstly I upgrade to executive or downgrade to a hospital plan, currently on classic comprehensive. I mean, you are giving up benefits or you're gaining benefits, but in the major illnesses." All three plans, hospital, comprehensive, executive, are there big differences? Are there limits or big differences? Yeah, uh, of course there's differences and that's why the products are differently priced. And without question, the executive plan provides the widest and broadest benefits in the entire industry. You're right that all plans, according to the regulations in South Africa, must cover certain chronic diseases and certain severe illnesses. But there are dedicated service provider agreements linked to that, networks linked to that, and there are formularies for medicine linked to that. And so those extend and expand as you buy up to the higher plans. The main benefit at the executive plan that's different to the others is that health professionals are paid at 300% of tariff. Uh, there are a small percentage of health professionals, particularly in upmarket areas, who are charging outside of the uh, contracts that Discovery agrees with these health professionals. And on the executive plan, you've got extensive cover at 300% of rate for those health professionals. Ryan, let me just try and get to that question. Let's assume you're, so we talk about, we talk about cost of professionals, but let's just talk about, for example, cancer. If I've got comprehensive, or I've got an executive, or I've got hospital, will my cancer benefit be different? Yes. It is. Uh, comprehensive and, and, and executive plans have a cancer limit of 400,000 Rand for every rolling 12 months, whereas the hospital plans have a cancer limit of 200,000 okay. Rand. So, so they are difference. major. So we talk about the cost, but at, in hospital, because people are saying, you know, I, I need to be covered for hospitalization and for the major events. But you're saying you need to look at your plan. You need to understand what you may be getting or what you may be giving up. Yeah. And this really is a high advice environment. The plans are extremely complex. And one needs to look at your financial needs, financial circumstances, your healthcare needs and healthcare circumstances, marry those with the range of plans that are available. There are 21 plans available inside the Discovery Health Medical Scheme. And to make those decisions, it really is advisable to get good advice from a financial intermediary who really understands this. Sometimes money and health don't go hand in hand. There's, you know, you don't have enough money to buy the, the health care you need. But let's carry on with the email. Alvin in Greenside says, what can we as employers suggest when asked by a staff member whether they should downgrade or not? We're not healthcare experts and only provide membership on the group schemes as required by the medical aid and in terms of the employment contract. Yeah. It's I difficult mean, for employers, isn't it? It is difficult. And the understanding, as I alluded to earlier, is really tough. O overall, the overarching advice in that kind of a question is to say you should try and stay on the same cover that you were on the year before, if you can afford it. And there's a tension between affordability and the benefits. But if you can afford it, you should try and stay on that cover. You know, we see so many anecdotes of people who unfortunately choose to downgrade and just sh shortly after a downgrade land up with some terrible diagnosis and then they land up underinsured. And they come to us and appeal for us to allow them to upgrade or for midterm changes. And though that's just against the rules of the scheme and unfair to the other members. We just can't do that kind of thing. So in general, the response to that question should be to try and stay on the plan that you were on and keep your health care benefits intact. You know, Ryan, I, I, this is my own personal view. I have a belief about stress. And if people are downgrading, a lot of it is financial stress. And if you have prolonged financial stress, it certainly has an impact, in my belief, 
in terms of your health care. And that's something. So the fact that you are downgrading, you've got to be very careful. Because that, that in, again, I only say in my opinion, not asking a medical man, so ask me, but I just think. But let me carry on with the email. Can I make one yes. point about the upgrades and downgrades? Yeah. Reading the media publicity, one's left with the impression that this is extensive and that it's happening all the time. But actually the numbers are very interesting. That at the end of 2016, coming into 2017, 94% of members on Discovery Health Medical Scheme chose to stay on their plan. 3% upgraded and 3% downgraded. And so actually the 3% that downgrade that you've been asking me about are a very small proportion of the total members. Lorraine in Hyde Park said, how does a hospital plan and gap cover compare to a fully comprehensive medical plan? You, at one stage you were quite against gap cover and now you've actually introduced it as part of one of your offerings. What changed is that uh, the, F the FSB released uh, you know, firm regulatory clarity in a negotiation with the Council for Medical Schemes about the demarcation, the differences between the business of a medical scheme and the business of short-term insurers providing healthcare insurance. And as soon as that clarity was released into the market, we launched a product concomitantly. Previously, there was a complete lack of clarity, and that posed a real and present threat to the sustainability of medical schemes. So yes, we have launched a very powerful GAP product into the market. And the combination of the GAP product and a comprehensive healthcare plan from Discovery Health Medical Scheme really gives you the best cover in the market with almost an assurance of no gaps whatsoever. But not a hospital plan and not gap a hospital There's plan. There's a lot of still it's Very lacking. important to know that a hospital plan, you have no out-of-hospital cover. And there are many diseases which are treated primarily out-of-hospital. And so while you have good cover for cancer, 200,000 rand limit, you have cover for in-hospital conditions, and you have cover for the PMBs, the prescribed minimum benefits out of hospital, the cover is not comparable, even with gap cover, it's not comparable at all to uh, a fully comprehensive um, discovery health plan. Because you pay for what you get. I mean, you uh, know, absolutely. you know, you're going to save a lot and get a bit, pay a little bit for gap cover. You're not going to have that all absolutely. cover. We're going to take a short break. You're watching New Money. We're talking healthcare this evening. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your new money. We're talking healthcare this evening. My guest Ryan Noach. We're not taking calls, but we'll continue with the emails. Wesley in Rudaport says, why doesn't Discovery insist that everyone use a broker? The investment companies won't give advice, and it's the same for medical aid. Members are buying cover without really fully understanding the plan itself. Let's make a point. There's a, there is a commission due to financial planners, medical aid brokers, built into the, into the, into the cost. And if you don't use it, you lose it. You don't, you don't, you don't get a discount. The commission is payable by the scheme, it's regulated and it's capped uh, and the financial intermediaries therefore do receive that commission. It's available to anybody. So anybody may as well make use of that facility and the scheme will Because it's the there, whether you use it or not. There, so why don't you insist that every member of your scheme is, is dealing uh, with some medical aid broker? It's not our role to uh, necessarily be too paternal around the members' decisions. Some members are highly informed and want to make their own decisions. We do, though, really encourage it. 
this is a high advice environment and financial intermediaries are able to take the health requirements, the financial circumstances, marry them together and give good advice about the plan and so we strongly encourage it. Ryan, is that across the industry that there's a commission or is it just certain schemes? Uh, there are two types of schemes registered in terms of the Medical Schemes Act. Open schemes, which are commercial and compete for members, like the Discovery Health Medical Scheme, and closed schemes, which are for particular employer groups. And typically, you may only belong to one of those schemes if you're in that employer group. Restricted schemes do not pay commission. All the open schemes, all the commercial schemes pay commission. So it makes no sense not to use a financial planner. And I'm saying to, to certainly members, if you're not sure about your scheme, as Ryan has said, it's not just a question about downgrading. It's not a question of really b which scheme you should be on. Get yourself a medical aid broker. And R Philip in Rambler says, is there any way one can reduce contributions without reduced cover by taking an excess? No. Unfortunately, the Medical Schemes Act doesn't allow that. Uh, the Medical Schemes Act is very clear that every member on a particular plan must pay the same premium, and we call that community rating, and anybody is allowed to join that plan, irrespective of their health status or their age, we call that open enrollment. We can't treat any member differently, and therefore we cannot apply an excess for some conditions or some members and not others. So unfortunately that option doesn't exist. Although the Discovery Health Medical Scheme has 21 different options, and so there really is a very broad range of the best benefit choices. So you can choose a plan that suits you best at your price point for your health needs. But hard, if hard for someone to read that, to read all the documentation and fully understand what they're covering for. As I'd, you say, some, like members, some members are experts. I'd like to think it's, it's easy to understand, but you've really got to apply yourself to it. And as I've said twice before this evening, it is a high advice environment. Get advice from somebody who's really in the know. Hugh in White River says, I'm on a medical aid which does not seem to be growing in numbers. I'm concerned as the average age of the member in the scheme could get into trouble. Is this correct and what should I be doing? Yeah, look, the, it is very important to understand the actuarial dynamics of the medical aid you're on. And what you want to look for primarily is that your medical scheme that you're on is producing an operating surplus every year. What does this mean? It means that the premium received minus the claims paid is leaving some kind of surplus in the scheme. If it's not, if it's eroding any of the savings, any of the capital solvency in the scheme, there is a pricing correction that is imminent that will have to come in time. Either benefits will have to be squeezed or prices will have to catch up. So that's the core thing to look for from the uh, financial performance of the schemes. When you talk about actuarially, you've also got to remember that the total contribution is an administration fee which goes to the medical company administering the scheme. So it's that net, that net premium after administration and then versus claims. Correct, yeah. But now this member that's talking about it, if they, had to, if they had to come and want to join a discovery, let's say they've been a member for 15 years, do they automatically be get benefits or are there waiting periods and exclusions if you've been on the medical aid? Anybody is entitled to join Discovery Health Medical Scheme at any point. There may be circumstances, depending on your individual circumstances, where you could have a general waiting period for up to three months or a condition-specific waiting period for a particular condition for up to 12 months. The only way to establish that is to apply and you will be given a, an, an offer letter which will set out the underwriting decisions and you can make a decision based on that underwriting. But stay on your medical aid until you've got that decision so that you, that you understand. Don't leave a gap. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon Simonstown says benefit designs and scheme structures are extremely complex. Is there a move to give members less freedom of choice and insist on more network providers? Yes. 
you know, there are more and more plans that are arising which are so-called highly managed network plans. They come at a much lower price point. What members really sacrifice is choice. They have to go to a particular hospital or a particular group of doctors. Uh, but for those sacrifices, they do get a much lower premium. Uh, the key care plan on the Discovery Health Medical Scheme is now the largest low-income plan in South Africa. It has about 500,000 lives on it, but it is a network plan. There is a network of hospitals and a network of doctors which you must go to if you want to enjoy any of the cover. Notwithstanding which, the cover is really excellent. From Rand 1, there's full indemnity if you work within that network. Ryan, are you getting more and more doctors to join <coughs> networks, or are you finding doctors leaving? Because obviously their cost is that much less. They're not charging, as you say, 300% above, and even sometimes even more than that. No, the trend is definitely for doctors to be joining. Uh, we have now 89% of all general practitioners in the country that are on networks with Discovery Health, and about 90% of all specialists. As, you, as we both know, economic times are tough out there, there is a squeeze out there, and as people are less able to pay cash, so these contracts become more and more relevant to both the doctors and the members of the schemes. And I think, this, I think we've answered this one because just coming now, Neil from Janisbury said, please explain the final demarcation regulations and how this will impact on consumers. Is this, this the is this the question about gap cover? Yeah, this is the demarcation between short-term insurance and the business of a medical scheme. We covered it earlier. And, and Ryan, just one thing with gap. Under a short-term cover, they can cancel the gap cover. Is your gap cover also cancelable on a yearly basis, renewable, or is it an ongoing type premium like a life policy? N no, I I it's cancelable at any time. Um, okay. Well, with ever-increasing financial pressures faced by many families, the question arises to what we, sh what we should consider when choosing a medical aid. There are no simple answers. Some of the key factors to be considered are mutual trust, integrity, affordability, access to excellent healthcare solutions, personalised advice and flexibility. Even more critical is that members try to understand the benefits of their medical plan to ensure that the benefits of their plan align to their family needs. This could mean in some cases upgrading, in other cases downgrading. My advice is to consult with a healthcare broker. It does not cost you more. The broker will be able to help you select the best plan for your family needs. Remember, everyone's circumstances are di different. Ryan, thank you for joining me this evening. It's important to note our programme is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's programme will be focusing on investments and if you need to get hold of me, my details are on the pair on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.